Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have one of my good friends and one of my favorite South Africans, Diane Mayer, joining us. Diane helps entrepreneurs life-proof their businesses with strategic planning you'll actually want to follow through on. With over a decade of experience in corporate investment banking, Diane knows exactly how small businesses should project, protect, and crush their wildly ambitious financial goals. In her spare time, Diane is passionate about travel, live events, conferences, coffee, Converse and spreadsheets, though not always in that order. Guys, Diane is one of the smartest people I know and the real deal. I'm so excited to have her on. I've been waiting for this day to come, and I know that you are going to find her as fascinating as I do. I don't know about you, but I am not great for planning for worst case scenarios, and Diane helps us do that with ease, with a sense of peace, not a sense of panic. I think we all need to have that what if crisis contingency plan for our businesses. Diane's put together something pretty special. So I think she's super cool. I know you're going to love our conversation and just the way her brain works and thinks. She's also one of the funnest people I know. And if you catch her on Instagram, she's traveling the world every single month and you'll see her in an array of cool places. So you'll definitely have to find her on Instagram and check her out. While you're there, screenshot this episode, pop it into your stories and tag Diane and I. We want to see who's listening and it helps spread the word. And we'll be sure to repost you when you tag us in your stories. It helps spread the word about the Radiant Podcast. And again, it gives us an idea of who's out there listening and what you loved about the episode. We want to connect with you guys. Before you go, I want to tell you about the Radiant Shop. If you love Radiant anything, you're going to love Radiant Apparel. I know that my podcast listeners wanted some fun pizzazz to add to their wardrobe, so we created sweatshirts, journals, hats, pop sockets, and you'll have to check back because we're always adding things to the Radiant shop. So head on over to shopradiant.co and get to grabbing yourself some Radiant Apparel. In the meantime, let's dive into this episode. I know you're going to love this conversation. Hey, Diane. Hey, Kelsey. Hello. I'm so happy for you to be on with me today. It's been forever coming. And I think the Radiant Tribe needs to know that you're one of the smartest people I know when it comes to online business. So I'm super excited for them to get to know you, to hear your story. I would love for you to dive in by kind of giving us the full picture of who you are and how you've gotten to where you are. Oh, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. You and I always have like the best chats. So I'm excited to see where we get to today. Um, So I guess my story starts, I mean, depending on how far you want to go back, most things people want to know from me is where are you from to try and place the accent. So I'm South African originally, uh, and I moved to London after I became a chartered accountant and started working in investment banking. And I'll skip through all the excitement of investment banking so we don't put everybody to sleep. But basically, I worked in an investment bank in London and then got moved to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, the wheels kind of came off a little bit. You know, it was a great move personally. I started traveling a lot around Asia because it's really easy from Hong Kong. 
but my career kind of hit not quite a brick wall, but it was kind of that like uphill through treacle kind of moment. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And it took me a really long time and some, some really unfortunate events to get me to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, honestly, if I didn't come into work tomorrow, like the bank would just roll on. <laughs> there would be no problem. Like, there's one thing knowing that you're indispensable and there's another thing feeling completely dispensable. And I think that's the point that I got to. And I think I needed to get to that point because I, I was super comfortable. You know, I had a good job. I was traveling every weekend. Like, it was a comfy comfort zone, you know, so I needed something to boot me out. Um, and then when I left, I wasn't really sure what I was leaving for. So I did the really traditional, oh, let me go and find myself. Um, I was a little less eat, pray, love about it and a little more like <laughs> how much of the world <laughs> can I see? <laughs> like, I don't think anyone who knows me will, will ever think that I have an eat, pray, love moment in my body. Um, but because I'd done a lot of Asia, I started traveling, uh, I guess, more in the US and Canada, did a bit of Mexico. I was probably traveling for about 18 months trying to like find myself. And I think when I started that journey, I honestly didn't know. I didn't know if I was burnt out or if I just needed a vacation. So I want you to imagine like I was at the same bank for like 10 years, which means for 10 years, I didn't have a break of more than two weeks. So like I hadn't like to just step out of that for a moment and just be able to like breathe again and be, whoa, what do I want to do with my life? It's pretty overwhelming. That's a pretty huge leap to make. Yeah. And I think if, you know, I managed to get as far as, ooh, so I've been an accountant in banking. Maybe I'll be an accountant in a tech company. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I could work at like Facebook or Google, but I was still going to be an accountant. Like that's as far as my brain could see. And I think when you're in that corporate space, that's what it feels like because you're repeatedly told this is the only job you're qualified for. And that's a pretty hard thing. So I just, I like to throw that out there because if there are people who are sitting in jobs thinking I can't do anything else, like sometimes some space is actually what you need. And when I got that first kind of taste of freedom, I mean, I must admit for the first six months, I traveled myself to travel burnout literally like I was on the go nonstop because I think I just didn't want to think about it. I didn't really want to think about yeah. what leaving corporate meant, what it was like to give up that huge piece of my identity as this successful person in investment banking. And once I managed to like slow myself down and actually give myself time to think, I, I kind of, I remember being, everyone was like, you know, your Instagram has all these beautiful pictures of you traveling. And I remember sitting on my friend's couch, just sobbing, saying to her, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so, you know, through like, I think in corporate, there's very little self-development. Like they train you to be a better, whatever you are in your job versus a better human. Like they don't really care if you're a good human. And so I started to do some of that work. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like I have all this freedom and I'm learning all this stuff and life doesn't have to be like it was. And I was looking at people who were still back in corporate. and I was like, I shall set you free. <laughs> this is my purpose in life. And 
So I actually started my kind of business journey in the traditional kind of life coaching sort of space. I got very into the Brendan Burchard space and I was a certified high performance coach. And probably, I don't know, maybe a year, I, uh, it felt good, but it felt like I was trying to convince people of something that they needed that they didn't feel like they needed. If, if that makes yeah, any sense. Totally. It's like, she'll set you free. And they were like, we're comfortable. We're, yeah, we're, we're happy, happy here with our salaries yeah. and everything. We're pretty, we're pretty good. Thanks. You have fun in that one bedroom Airbnb that you're staying at in the middle of nowhere, America. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it took me, it took me a while to, to, yeah, as you can tell, once I get set on something, I'm not very good at giving it up. It took me a while to admit to myself, this wasn't working. And to say, okay, this is not what you were called to do. It's great, but it's not what you were called to do. And in a, a, not quite a temper tantrum, but in a moment of like, this is not my calling, I literally shut everything down. I took down everything. My social media, I took down my website, just completely. Everything gone. Got rid of anyone I was talking to, all, all done. And I was sitting with a friend, um over dinner apparently I have all my epiphanies with friends uh so if you're stuck that's what you should go and do talk to a friend and we were talking about her business and that she was working really long hours and she couldn't kind of see how to not work those hours and still have the business or even how to grow and I effectively kind of redrew her business on a napkin (laughs) for her like restructured and went what if you'd moved this here you did this and she just sort of looked at me and went, why aren't you doing this for people? And I think it was in that moment that while it was my, was my business aha moment, it was also probably my most personal growth moment where I had to look back and realize that actually in leaving corporate, I had put all of my corporate experience, all of my know-how, all of my, uh, qualifications in a box and kind of filed them away. It was almost like they were tainted by corporate. And if I just never touched them again, then I would never be corporate again, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so that was the, that was probably the first moment where I was like, whoa, actually my, not my value, but my, my special source in the world my unicorn sparkle dust is actually that in a world of entrepreneurs, a lot of whom have been entrepreneurs since the outset, it's that I have that much corporate experience, that much kind of strategic level thinking, having worked in huge teams, having worked with people globally, that I was kind of filing in a box as worthless because it wasn't entrepreneurial. And I think when you come into the entrepreneurial space and especially around the bro marketing (laughs) type of conferences and stuff, there's a lot of kind of shaming of people who, who have gone almost a corporate route. And I think it's kind of a reverse of like, you know, people who, who were entrepreneurs because they didn't like school. They didn't, you know, they didn't want to go to college. So they had to find something else and they've been amazingly successful at it. And it's kind of their turn to be like, well, hey, 
look at you with your fancy education, but actually my business is better than yours. And that, so there's a little bit of like shaming in yeah. the opposite direction of like, well, you had a corporate career, you're not really an entrepreneur, which you absorb and you start to think that those skills aren't valuable. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very into other people's businesses and helping them strategically look at what's fitting together, what's not fitting together, what they're doing just because a guru has told them to do it, you know, um, but I don't work well as a traditional coach in that I think, you know, planning sessions in corporate are half day or full day affairs, you know, they're not really, let's meet up for once a week. And so I bring a lot of that to how I work. And when I kind of get doubtful about, hang on, is this what you should be doing in the world? What I fall back on is the thing I wanted to bring to the world was that sense of freedom that I felt. And when I think about, okay, for me, that freedom was freedom from corporate, freedom to travel, freedom to live anywhere in the world. For other people, that freedom is something else, but it's still freedom. Yeah. So for some people, it's like freedom from an addiction. Some people, it's freedom from a particular mindset. Uh, you know, it, it could be freedom from it could be freedom from a corporate job. It could be freedom from living in a tiny town where they don't know that the whole world is out there. And I'm not qualified to bring that freedom to all those people. Like I would have to be a pretty vain individual to be like, <laughs> I can save the world. I mean, I started out trying to save everyone in corporate. So, you know, it's not a huge leap to try and save the world. Um, <laughs> but what I actually sat back on, and if you know me, you know, I love spreadsheets and I thought about it and the easiest way for me to bring as much freedom as possible in the world to reach all of those people who need freedom in some kind of way is for me to help the people who help them. So for me to individually say impact a million people, like if I work in intensives, that's one-on-one. That means I have to work with people one-on-one for at least four hours. Like that's the shortest period of time I work with. That's a lot of time to reach a million people or I can work with 10 people whose audience is 100,000 or 100 people with 10,000, et cetera. So being the little accountant that I am, I'm like, whoa, that's how I compound freedom for everyone. That's how I can spread the most in the world. And so my big mission is then to keep all of those people in business. And the, the way that I do that is to help them look at what could go wrong or go right in their business and how their business will be able to handle that and stay functioning or scale or grow through that change. So, you know, you know me and as an Enneagram 7, I like to stay in the happy space. Can you explain to our audience why this is actually a positive to look at everything that could go wrong? Because I know that, you know, a lot of us don't want to think about it, but we actually need to and it provides more freedom when you come up with kind of a game plan or a crisis contingency plan in the event that things don't go as planned in your business. Yeah. So I think that's very true. I, uh, I think that's like true of like 99% of people that I, that I start speaking to. So you can imagine how much fun I am at a drinks event. People are, <laughs> people are not lining up to talk to me. <laughs> So I think what's important for people to understand is when we when we say the word crisis or emergency or disaster, people automatically go to the bad. 
they stop picturing hurricanes. They think, what if I get hit by a bus? They, you know, it's usually big, what we would normally consider negative events. So I'm going to get a little controversial and I'm going to say that actually no event has either a good or bad. Events are just neutral. They just are. So if a hurricane hits, it is. The only thing that decides whether that hurricane becomes the disaster level that we're used to talking about or doesn't is how prepared we were for it, Mm. how quickly we responded to it, what decisions people made in dealing with it, how far out did we know it was coming. And the same is true for our business. So let's think, I'm going to use something that traditionally we would think is good. So I'm going to send a million people to your website tomorrow and they're all going to opt in for your freebie. Traditionally, lots of traffic to our website sounds really good, right? But if you can't handle that traffic, not only are you going to lose those people on the day, but they're probably not going to come back ever. So you've kind of lost those million people. If you can handle that traffic and you know where they're going, how you're going to segregate them, what's going to get delivered to them, that's a bonus day for you. And I've seen this happen. You've seen people like get quoted in a blog and suddenly it's a massive traffic to their website that they're not expecting and it goes down. Other people, you don't hear about that. Oh, I had, you hear I had a bumper day. Yeah. But it's the same event. The only thing that changed it to this was a great thing that happened, this was a terrible thing that happened, is your actual response to it. So, so when, when I'm saying, when I talk to people about like, why should they care about this now is you need to be able to make that decision at the beginning of what you're going to do as quickly as possible. If you can control what your response is, you can control the event. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I found I'm not the best at coming up with crisis plans in my business. Um, because I like to stay on the positive side, but I've found when I, the more structure I do provide myself, the more I'm able to weather storms better, um, with more peace and with more joy and without, um, without ruining my month. (laughs) And there have been, you know, I have a business that's very much at the mercy of algorithm changes and, you know, things beyond my control. And so when I first heard you talk about this, kind of plan for what happens when the worst happens, um, it really, it really did get me thinking and and start thinking, oh man, this kind of plan actually provides the freedom I'm craving when I'm trying to avoid this topic. Yeah. And I think it's like, if we think about your business with like being like dependent on the algorithm, which we all know to be really super fickle, um, it's a, even though you want to stay in the positive there's a part of you that at the back of your brain is thinking, oh God, I hope the algorithm doesn't change. Or there's a piece of gossip about the algorithm coming. Or Diane has sent me a message like I usually do going, hey, did you see this rumor about the the Instagram algorithm? So even when we're staying in the positive and we're manifesting and we want to be really focused on like where it is we want to go, if in the back of your mind, you've never thought about what the alternative could be, it's just going to sit there. Like it's going to sit there and you're going to think about it. And it's that same thing. Every, what we resist persists and you're resisting. Like, I'm not going to think about that bad thing. I'm not going to think that they could change the algorithm and what happens. They change the algorithm. Yeah. So I think people are very, 
very concerned when they when I initially start talking to them about this that this is somehow going to um, cause them to manifest the disaster that they're thinking about or the crisis that they're thinking about. And I'm like, it's actually the opposite. It's going to clear your brain of the like what ifs, so that you can be like, okay, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm thinking about as much as possible. And I think there's a big part around that manifestation piece, which I'm just going to dive into because you opened the door. Um, <laughs> it's like one of the biggest parts is being able to detach from your outcome as well. So it's being, it's being positive thinking about where you want to go and being able to detach from, from that. And what better way to detach from a positive outcome than to know that you're covered for every other outcome. So what are some gaps that you frequently see, you know, I know that you've worked with quite a few people on kind of looking inside their business, taking a peek, seeing all the structure of the systems, what they have, what they don't have. What are some common gaps you see across the board in all different business types that people are not, that people do not have in place um, that could really support them that if they just took the time to build out that structure? Um, I would say, number one, if your systems documentation is not in order, that would be the number one thing I would say, go and, go and try and sort out. So when I, get, when I talk to people about where to start with their plan, the, as entrepreneurs, we're usually the cog. We're usually the thing in the middle of this whole business. So for most of us, our biggest risk is that we won't be there. So if you, the easiest thing to resolve is your process notes so how you do things. Uh, and the idea behind them is that basically if you if you weren't there, somebody else could pick up those notes and kind of keep things ticking along. It's not going to be with your special unicorn sprinkle dust, but it will be good enough yeah. to keep things going until you're back. So that's the number one thing that I think should happen. The second thing I would suggest people do is build what I call an any day crisis plan which is whether you need a vacation day, whether it's doomsday, whether it's any day in between, what needs to happen if you are not there? And it's looking at what, what are you responsible for usually in your business? What would happen to that thing if you weren't there? And who would, who's responsible for doing it? And how do you tell people? So for example, let's say you have a discovery call with someone who wants to join your mastermind tomorrow and you're not at work, you should know, okay, I'm probably going to cancel that. I'm probably going to do it by email and my VA will do it for me. So really like I'm talking like a really high level basic plan that everybody could have in place. Yeah. I love that. Which, which covers you, your, most people's biggest risk is that they're not around. If they have teams, if they have, you know, multi products, they're growing to a certain level. There are obviously a lot more complication around it, but the, across the board, I would say, make sure you have system documentation or process documentation in place and that you have a plan in place for what to do if you were suddenly not available. Because I think we believe that we would be able to push through or we'd be able to call someone or... You know, I always like to say, like, imagine that your partner has kidnapped you to a desert island and there is no Wi-Fi and you had no warning. How would your business run? Yeah. Because that's a pretty, like, let's all just imagine we're on a Caribbean island. For yeah, a like, that's, like, that's even a good thing, you know. But it, Right, exactly. But it's the same problem, right? And this is why 
entrepreneurs are not taking vacation days because they don't know what the amount of things that they think need to be covered is just so overwhelming. But if you put this kind of like plan in place for an unexpected day, if you now know that in Wednesday, three weeks from now, you're going to need a day off, you already know what needs to be covered and you've got three weeks to work out who's going to do it. That's good because, you know, that's very true to kind of how I've been functioning. When I first onboarded Emily, she would say all the time, you have so much stored inside your head and it's taken a long time to get what's inside of my head outside of it and onto paper and into systems that aren't just memorized, but there's still a lot in there that is that. And so I, I very much am a perfect candidate for something like this. And I think so many of my listeners are because we just think we'll do it later. We'll get it into systems later, or there's probably some people listening that are thinking, oh, I didn't even think of that. So what, you know, we talked a little bit about this at our retreat in January. What are some steps someone can take that someone can start documenting those systems? Like I know one good tip would be to, you know, screen flow yourself doing those tasks or screen record yourself doing those tasks and talking over it. But then I know that you had a problem with that method. So I want to hear more. (laughs) So totally like I am not against the screen flow. I am, if you have nothing else in place, you should turn on your screen flow, record your desktop as you work through this week with each task and at least file it somewhere because heaven forbid something happens and you're not around, at least there's something. My problem with that is being your only thing that you do. So a lot of people believe that, okay, I've got that video. That's totally fine. But now imagine you're not there. And Emily is trying to do everything that you would normally do as well as everything that she would normally do. And this task normally takes you an hour. So now she's fast forwarding, watching, rewinding, fast forwarding, watching, rewinding. It's just not efficient. It's also not an easy way for her to be like, okay, yeah, I've definitely checked everything off. I've done everything I was supposed to do. So I like to start with the screen flow. Um, If you're working with someone in person, I usually recommend that you actually sit with them and they watch you do it. Then they do it with you. Then they do it while you're watching. And then they try on their own being able to ask you questions. And the whole time they're writing the system notes while they're working with you. So basically documenting like, okay, step one, go into Instagram. Step two, go get the picture from this folder in Google. Um, If you're working long distance, that's not always feasible unless you kind of jump on a Zoom and you screen share. But I do think what you want is to have a video of what you're doing. So if something's not clear in the system notes, people can go back and look. You want to have detailed process notes, really detailed. Like imagine someone who knows nothing about your job is stepping in. Tell them where to find stuff. Tell them what to do with it. Tell them where to put it. Tell them who the next person is that needs it so they can pass it on. And then to have a high-level checklist, So you might hand over something to Emily that she actually knows most of it and she just needs to make sure she does the 10 steps. But what if something happened and you and Emily were both out and someone else had to step in? They would then need the much more detailed system process that they could follow. So you want those three levels. That is so true because, you know, I found even that Emily 
and I go through a process and record details differently. So I do like the idea of first having, you know, a high level screen flow. It's not, you know, it's not the best, but it's a bird's eye view of your tasks. And then and it's a hundred percent better than nothing. Yes. It's better than nothing. Having a Dropbox or a Google drive folder full of videos of you screen recording each task that you do, that's vital for your business. But then again, having the person who completes that task take the notes alongside you as you do it so that it's written in their language or you've kind of got two formats of the task for different types of learners because I know we've got auditory, kinesthetic, hands-on, I think kinesthetic is hands-on, visual, you yep. know, and so you've got different kinds of learners and you want to set up your business or someone inside of your business to thrive and then it really cuts down on training in the long haul too if you can kind of do that as you go. Yeah, and I think, you know, the only way that also test this once you've done it is to just be completely hands off like take a day off where in an absolute emergency you could be reached like maybe you're just down the road getting a massage but really not be there and see if somebody can do that process because I think otherwise people if you allow people to constantly come back to you once it's all documented then you've still got a gap so until you're at a point where that person can do that process and you're happy with it Without questions coming to you, it's not finished. It's getting incrementally better the whole time, but it's still not finished. Because the idea is that you, if you were not there at all, like you could not speak or type <laughs> or nod. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> then, you know, then if it would work, I mean, the, the reason I'm so big on this is in corporate, I was on a Caribbean beach and got a phone call because I hadn't documented something in enough detail for someone to follow and had to go and find like some like rickety old computer with like virtually like, like dial up on it almost to go in and like do a task for my job. The worst. I, yeah. Especially cause I'd had a couple of breakfast cocktails. Not the best. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not true freedom. If we don't, if we don't create plans for these things, I think, I think, again, I'm someone who would naturally have an aversion to focusing on all of the things that could go wrong. It just sounds truly miserable to, to do that. But for me, what motivates me is freedom and knowing that I do have a game plan in place so that a bad day doesn't turn into a bad month. Or, you know, I can go on vacation and not be on my phone or answering emails like that. That is the motivating factor for me as someone who's averse to focusing on this stuff. And I think you're going to have people who are like, oh, yeah, let's point out the flaws of my business right now. And then you're going to have people who are averse. And so kind of answering that objection for people mm -hmm. who are, are averse, it, it, it creates more freedom for you. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it can have a like direct monetary impact as well. Like I like to talk to people about doing this for their launches not just for their business. It's like thinking about what could, what could happen in your launch and how could you pre-prepare for that so that you get the best launch outcome you possibly can. So, you know, it's, people are very into it. It's, it's positive or negative. And again, it's not like whatever happens, the actual event, it's you're giving the event, the emotion. Yeah. It's how you feel about the event and not the actual event. You know, like if it's raining outside and you and I are sitting here doing a podcast interview, neither of us care that it's raining. If I'm a bride and it's my garden wedding, like that's a very different scenario. Yeah. We, we feel very differently about the rain that's falling. We're going to have a good or bad day very differently because we feel differently about the rain. 
Like so she might good. not care. She might have yeah, a, one might she love a backup it. plan. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Man, Diane, I feel like, again, you're one of the smartest people I know in the online business space. And I, I really love how you've taken kind of what you've learned through your years, both in corporate and online business, and all the twists and turns you've taken into something that's really tangible. Um, I, I have this conversation a lot. Do you find that kind of we often finally step into that one thing we feel like we were made to do after years of stepping stones that we had no idea was were taking us there. Yeah, I feel like there are definitely a lot of moments where even when I'm like, oh, I can't believe like I stayed in corporate for that long, but actually staying in for that long gave me this experience, which now means I can do this for entrepreneurs. Like I can actually plot it backwards. So, yeah, I definitely feel like it. I wish, like, maybe, like, my purpose was, like, something slightly more cheerful. I mean, I think it's super interesting. I think it's super exciting. But, you know, <laughs> it would be great if other people were like, oh, this is so, yes, I need more disasters in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Walking away from our conversation today, what would be your advice to people who are just starting out trying to think through kind of what would their worst case scenario be? I'm going to get to how they can work with you because I think like that is definitely something people should be signing up for. Again, it's not the sexy part of your business, but it's important. But what would be some first steps someone could take in kind of building out what is a worst case scenario and how should I start prepping to get there? I think for, for most people, the, f the first step is to, and we don't like to do this as entrepreneurs, is to realize that we should not be indispensable in our businesses. So the first step is a little bit of a mindset shift, a little bit of one. And then I would say, don't spiral, like don't spiral into these are the 400 things that could go wrong. Because, <laughs> you know, we can really go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and some of them may never happen. Uh, so what I like to say to people just starting out is what would happen if you couldn't go to work tomorrow morning? So just take a, like a moment today and jot down all the things that you would have to do tomorrow and what you, what needs to get done if you're not there. Are you going to, is somebody going to cover them? Are you going to cancel them? Very high level. What needs to happen? And then think, okay, what would I need to tell people? So it's basically what needs to happen, who needs to do it, and what do I need to tell them? Very high level. And so start with tomorrow because that feels manageable. And then as you start to work through the rest of your week, you'll be like, oh, what if I wasn't here and I had this call? What would I do? And you can just slowly begin to add to it. Maybe rather than having a huge spiral moment where you dream up everything you think could possibly go wrong yeah. in your, and start sending me hate mail. <laughs> um, ideally, that's where you want to start. It's like the biggest risk at the moment is probably you – so what would happen if you weren't there and get some basics in place? That's good. That is good. And how can people work with you if they are like, oh my gosh, I need this. You have multiple capacities to work with you. So kind of give us all the details. So I have a couple of options. So my, I would say for most people just starting out, maybe my any day crisis plan template is probably the best place to start. And I'll put that on my website at diamayor.com forward slash Kelsey. And, or would you prefer forward slash radiant? Ooh, let's do radiant. Radiant. Okay. Forward slash radiant uh, for everyone. And that basically takes you through that exercise I've just talked about, but in a bit more detail. And it just helps you brainstorm that all out into a one page plan. So that's a really good starting point. 
if you are at a situation where you have a team, you're a bit more established, you have multi parts of your business, so probably not the solopreneur, then you can do a what if planning session with me, which is a, an intensive where we go really deep into what could happen in your business and we build the whole plan from start to finish together. Uh, and that's on my website at diamair.com forward slash what if. Ooh, I like it. I will definitely be pointing people in your direction because I think this is something that I haven't seen in the online business space. And I think, or really any type of business, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I don't know anyone who does what you do. And I think it's so important when we first started hashing out this together. Um, I, I realized, whoa, I have a lot of planning to do. Winter is coming. Um, and <laughs> exactly. I, I, I do want to be prepared for even something like having a baby, you know, like I want, I want to be able to take off time from work and not, and it not turn into a crisis. Yeah. And even just, you know, at least like plan out so that you can take a day off. Like entrepreneurs, we're always like walking that fine line of burnout like you should be able to take a day off from your business. And if you can't, you know, we need to jump in. We need to fix that quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Diane, thank you so much for joining me. I am sure you will having be having some of the Radiant Tribe coming your way because, again, I think this is such a valuable plan to work through with you. And so I am so thankful for your wisdom and input today. Tell us how everyone can find you. So, you know, I've been really well taught by a certain someone about Instagram. So that is probably <laughs> where I hang out the most. Um, my Instagram handle is at Diane underscore Mayer. Uh, and I'm on there pretty much all the time. So, you know, if you have listened to this and you're like, wait, I have a question, please feel free to slide into that DM. Let me know that you've listened to the podcast and that you have questions and let's have a conversation. Woohoo! Well, I am sure you're going to be having some people slide into your DMs. And again, guys, keep up with Diane. See what she's doing. We'll have to have you back on the Radiant Podcast. But thank you for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. This is super fun. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.